At this time, I would like you to take your Bibles and please turn to Isaiah in chapter 53. We're going to be looking in Isaiah 53 this morning. And what we want to do is take a look at Jesus Christ, get a clear look of Him, a simple but very clear look at the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in Isaiah chapter 53. These are these beautiful, wonderful verses that Isaiah penned long, long ago uh, in prophecy. So let's look at verses 1 through 6. Let's all stand together. So we're in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. Let's read these all together. Verse 1, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And I should say, hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your blessing on the message. I pray that you'd help me to speak well, to speak clearly, be led of the Holy Spirit as I speak, and fill all those with the Spirit of God that are listening today as we view Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen. You may be seated. I call this the gospel according to Isaiah. He gave his account long before anyone else did, prophesying wonderful truths of Christ's life and then his tragic death. And he asked the question as he begins, Who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our report? You know, the Bible says the gospel's been given to many. All throughout the world, the gospel's been given out. The report has been made. Various responses come. It brings, to me, often very puzzling responses to the gospel of Christ. Many take it very lightly. They just don't take it important at all. They don't consider the death of Christ, His life and death and resurrection. They don't look at it. And even with the reading of the Word of God, Romans 10, 17, what does it say? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Yet, they don't take it light. They, they take it very lightly. They don't take it seriously. Many take offense. What do you mean? How dare you say that I'm of a need of a Savior? I'm a religious man. 
I'm a good woman. I do my best. I try to be kind to my fellow man. How dare you say that I'm in need? You know what some people do? They take it and they put it with all their other beliefs. They just store it in there with everything else they talk about and believe and do. They mix it in with what the Bible says, the weeds of this world, and it gets choked out. They have no faith. But then there's some. It says like it's, they do like it says in verse 1, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. They saw the arm of God. They saw it was strong for them. Not my arm, His. Amen. I have a very weak right arm right now. I don't even know how it happened. It's a mystery, but God's is strong. We're going to talk about that this morning. They see the salvation that He brings. Isaiah 59, 16. He said, and He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, His arm, you'll be seeing this arm come up all the time, brought salvation unto Him. So, there's some out there that believe the report. They believe that He's mighty to save. But here's Isaiah asking the question, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord, or hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Look at verse 2. It says, For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant out of the root of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see Him, there's no beauty that we should desire Him. What Isaiah is saying is, He's revealing the hearts of men. He's showing how men view Jesus Christ. And we want to take a look at this. See, unregenerate man, unsaved man, sees Jesus in a very distorted way. And I want to speak about this first of all. Number one, they see Him or view Him as a weak man. He's just a shoot out of a very dry ground. He's just a very tender plant that came up out of the dry ground unable to defend himself. Unable. You know, a very tender root. You think about uh, actually this goes along with the parable of the sower. But you have a really uh, dry, parched earth and you have a, a plant trying to live in it. And it's just sprouting up. Has no chance. You can pull it out like that. The roots are going to dry and wither away. There's no strength. There's no longevity. But this is how they view Jesus Christ. He's a weak man. He's too tender and unable to defend. See, that's what they view Him on the cross. A pushover. Some people look at Jesus, oh, He was just the goody-goody of the world that taught people how to love one another. And they almost portray Him in an effeminate way. His roots are shallow and very dry. He's easy to remove. He's easy to pull out and discard. They view Jesus as affable, almost as a compromiser. Why? To them, the cross is very weak. He was taken up there in weakness. And the Bible does say He was crucified in weakness, but He liveth through the power of God. But this is how they view Him. We. Tell you another thing, they, they view Him as undesirable. Ugly almost. It's what it says here in verse 2. He hath no form nor comeliness. 
And when we shall see Him, there's no beauty that we should desire Him. This is indicating their desire to turn away from Him. Why do people turn away from Christ when they hear the Gospel? They, they get away from it. They put it on a shelf. They try to remove Him out of their thoughts. Basically what this verse is saying is, He's not my type. He's not my type. I view it that it ought to be different than who Jesus really is. There's no comeliness in Him. Basically, they are saying, He's a forgettable man. He's, he's, he's not something that sticks with me. He's forgettable. He hath no form, it said. That's His figure and His appearance. It's not drawing. It's not magnetic, magnetizing and pulling people in. It says He has even no beauty. This is how they... This, you know what this is? This is how the world views Jesus Christ. This is how they view Him. No beauty. He's not... His looks aren't catching to them. He's not spiritually or physically handsome to them. You know, no beauty actually describes His looks. And what it means is nothing in Him appeals to the world. They're not, he's not their type. No desire to them. They consider him not. It's almost like this. You know, the average person, you give them the gospel, if, if they're not, if the spirit's not moving and they don't see him right, it's going to be the opposite. They don't even give him a second glance. He's easily forgettable. Just a weak man upon a cross. Number three, they view Him with hatred. They hate Him. Look what it says in verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. You know, it says in this verse, He's despised twice. They turn their non-interest to disdain. And it goes from taking him not seriously and taking him lightly to basically them saying, you know, I don't like him. I don't esteem him. And then it turns to hatred. And then it actually finishes out by rejection. They reject him. So number four, because they view him in these ways, they reject him, verse three. They even hide their faces from him. This is what John... Chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own. What? And His own received Him not. He wasn't their type. Jesus was well acquainted with rejection. A man of sorrows. He knew grief very, very well. I, I obviously, I mean, I, I don't, I'm just telling the truth. This is how the world views him. He's not a GQ looking man. He would not be model material to this world. He wouldn't be man of the year on the front page of some magazine or on People magazine. His doctrine that he brought was from heaven. So men turned from it because they are of the world. His life was so holy that men fled from that and turned, like it says, we turned our eyes from Him. His purpose was so steadfast. 
Nobody could turn him away from it. And he was God's son sent from heaven. Yet his very own people rejected him. Men mocked, ridiculed his name. They called him the devil. They called, they called him, you, you teamed up with Beelzebub, the prince of devils. They purposely misunderstood Jesus Christ. And so what did they do? They went from ridicule to persecution. Often they tried to take his life while he was on the earth. One time they tried to push him off a cliff for telling them the truth. Often they picked up stones to stone him. But the Lord God of heaven, his Father, stopped them from even making the attempt. So they went from persecution to blasphemy. And this is, this is kind of what uh, brought this uh, message to my heart. Blasphemy. Why do men love to blaspheme God? Why is it so easy for the man of the world to curse the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Explain that to me. Why do men love? They don't, know. they don't only just love to take His name in vain. And I hear it all the time. They use His name flippantly. Like it's, a, it's just another name to them. It's just an expression. It's just part of my life. It means nothing toward the God of heaven. They take His name very lightly. They take His name in vain. They curse Him in their hearts. Have you ever heard anybody curse Buddha? You know why? He's of the world. You don't curse him. He's of anybody ever cursed Muhammad or Allah? No. These are gods of the earth. No, but when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ sent from heaven, I mean they won't even curse Satan. But they'll sure curse Jesus Christ. They'll sure use God's name in vain. Why? They view Him wrong. It's, it's what it is. The view of them is wrong. They don't see Him as Creator, Lord of all, the Judge. They don't see it. Luke 2.34 Simeon, when he saw the babe in Mary's arms, he said, this child is set for amazing destiny. He's set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and He will be a sign that is spoken against. He's going to get spoken against till Jesus returns again. They don't receive His love, His compassion. They don't consider the cross long enough to even understand any of it. They don't put any time into it. He's not worth the time. They don't contemplate. You know what it is? They refuse to hear the report. They refuse to consider the cross. They see Jesus as weak. They see Him as undesirable. They see Him as incapable. Look over at chapter 50 of Isaiah. Look at verse 2. It says, Wherefore when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot save? or excuse me, cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Think about what he said. This is how people see him. He can't save me. I've got to save myself. 
He can't say, I've got to find my own way through this. He surely can't lead and guide me and get through, through life. I have to do it. He's got a shortened arm. Basically, he's, they're saying he's got a weak arm and a withered hand. He cannot help me. They did not believe the report. Now, what's interesting is this is lost, regenerate man. But let me ask this is what I want to talk about today. What about you? How do you view Jesus Christ? How do you see him? What is your personal view of him? First of all, did you believe the report? When it came your way, when you heard the report of the gospel, how did you, how did you respond to that? Did you respond with, nah, it's probably serious, but I got better things to do. There's more important things in life than to me to worry about him. I can do that at another time. How did you respond to the report of the gospel? Has the arm of the Lord been revealed to you? Did you get a vision of His great arm? You know, we don't understand it, but I honestly believe when you got the day you believed on Christ and you got saved, you got a glimpse of that arm, boy. You said that arm right there is all I need. The arm of God. That's all I need. It's enough. Not only is He able to save, He's mighty to save. Can you say along with Zephaniah in chapter 3, verse 17, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will. How do Christians view Jesus Christ? Now, we look at Him differently than the world. And uh, we know Him differently. They don't know Him at all. We see the one that the world rejects and scorns. And they run from, it says in chapter 53, and they are repulsed by Him. We see Him in His humility. We see Him as a man of sorrows. We understand. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows and suffered for our iniquities on the cross. We see Him. He's the Holy One. Smitten of God and afflicted. Wounded for our transgressions. The Bible says he, all those bruises on His body were for our iniquities. And the Bible says the Lord hath laid on Him the sin of us all on Jesus Christ. That's what we see. I see my sin on Him. I see Him bearing all my sorrows, all my griefs, all my sins, all my failures, all my troubles, all my rebellion. I see that when I look at Him on the cross. We see it different than they do. We don't see Him as weak. We see Him as strong. The world fails to see this. Think about this now. If they'd stop and consider and just behold the cross and contemplate and believe the report, they would see that this ugly, tragic death and all the things that took place on Christ are because of them. He's dying because of them. He's dying for them. He is suffering and going through all this for their sake. If they saw that, it would change their life. We see Him as what? He's the Lamb for sinners slain. Right? We see Jesus as the very sacrifice for our very sins and our own disobedience. We see the One who took our sins upon Him and suffered affliction at the hands of God the Father. 
We understand. He became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, 5.21. He actually became sin for you. Can you see that? We know we're the reason for it all. If there was ever any weakness shown there, which there wasn't, it was for us. It was because of us. The beatings, the ridicule, the hatred, the judgment, the death of the cross that He went through, those nails that fastened Him to that cross, the weight of sin that bore upon Him. The Bible says He became the personification of sin. Didn't He say the Son of Man will be lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness? He became the personification of sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says He became sin for us because He knew no sin. Therefore, we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. We see this. How beautiful this is. We see the suffering one. Did you know in Psalm 22, He called Himself, I'm just a worm and no man. His visage was marred more than any man. His actual form. The reason why they saw His form and they said, there's no comeliness in that. You know why? He became sin. There's nothing beautiful about sin. He did that in their stead. The one whose heart, He said, my heart is melting inside of me from sorrow and it mixed down into my bowels. This is happening to Him on the cross. His strength dried up as a potsherd. No moisture. You talk about hydration, dehydration. Jesus was fully dehydrated. Dry as a pot shirt. It says that his jaw locked up as he was thirsting. And he was clenching his jaws and gritting and gnashing his teeth as he suffered sin and, and hell for every man. The one. You think about this. They stripped him bare. Took off his clothes and gambled over them. He was mocked and scorned and gnashed upon, suffered full rejection of men. The Bible says he had to suffer full rejection from God. That's why he cried out as he became sin. The Father backed off because that's the whole purpose of the cross. That's why when the last things he said was, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, we know why for us. The world doesn't get it. They don't understand it. They won't view Him long enough to get it. But we do. We see Him crying out and yielding up the ghost and lying there still and lifeless on the cross. And we see that. You know what we see? Oh, how beautiful that is. He's the most beautiful of all the universe. The glory. Oh yeah. The glory of the cross and tragedy. The glory of the cross. And how wonderful it is. In the midst of the horror, we see the beauty. We're drawn to Him. I am magnetized by that. He's comely to me. I see Him as beautiful and wonderful and glorious He's fully desired by His people. Fully desired. We want to be with Him all the time. Our hearts are full 
as we gaze upon Him. Did we believe that report? Turn over to chapter 51. Did we believe the report and see that wonderful arm? I'm a lefty. Some of us are lefties. But God's right-handed. I know that hurts. But He is. Isaiah 51, 5. Look what He says. My, this is God speaking. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. My arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me. And what? On my arms shall they trust. I'm trusting in that arm. Underneath, the Bible says, are the everlasting arms. Look at verse 9. He says, Awake! Awake! Put on strength! Where? O arm of the Lord! Show how strong you are! Awake as in the ancient days in the generations of old. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? The days when he put a whooping on Satan? He'll finish the job someday, the Bible says, and bruise Satan under our feet shortly. Very, very shortly. Oh my. We see it different than the world, don't we? The Bible says He's the captain. He's our captain. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. We belong to Him. He has bought us. Turn over to, if you don't mind, look just to, uh, to Song of Solomon. So here you can see really how the Christian ought to see Him. I'm trying to get you to see Him properly today. Not as the world does. Not as a, blind, a person who just doesn't view Him. Get, get your eyes on Jesus, like it says, and the things of this earth are going to grow strangely dim. Why? In the light of His glory and grace. It's, it's going to overtake you. How wonderful He is. Song of Solomon. This is a love story. They go back and forth telling their love for one another. And it pictures Christ in the church, His love for the church. But how the church should view Him. And there's always reciprocation to love. The Lord loves us and we love Him because He first loved us. And then the Bible says because we love Him, John chapter 14, the Father will love us more and make His abode with us. It's beautiful. That's called love. Back and forth reciprocation. Song of Solomon 5. This is how we ought to view Him. His mouth... This is verse 16. His mouth is sweet. Yea! He's altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. O daughters of Jerusalem. He is our best friend. He is our all in all. He's our head. He's our Lord. What did He say? My beloved. My beloved. You know, we can say dearly beloved. You know, in the old days they used to do that in church. Dearly beloved. You know why? You're the loved of God. You're God's beloved. You're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves His own. But He's your beloved. In verse, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, Thou whom my soul loveth. Do you love Him? Does your soul love Him? Boy, listen to this. She says, He is as a bundle of myrrh unto me. 
as a cluster of campfire, camphor. The, the fragrances, it's, it's, he's beautiful. He's fragrant. He's fair, says he's fair unto me. Most beautiful thing I've ever known or seen. He's the fairest of the fair. And she called him my fair one. Not my fair lady. My fair Jesus Christ. The rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valleys, she said. You know, it's so interesting. No matter all you go through in life, and you go through the hard times, and you go through the valleys, there's always a, there's always a lily there. It's the same lily going through every valley. He's always there. He's the one thing that makes the hardest part of your life the most beautiful. Because He's still there. He's the lily of the valleys. She said, you are the apple tree among the trees of the wood. Go out into the forest, the apple tree. I sat down under the apple tree. His fruit was sweet to my taste. My dove. Sweet is thy voice. She said, my, thy countenance is comely unto me. And then in chapter 2, verse 16, she says, my beloved is mine, and I am his. He owns me, he belong, but I belong to Him. We belong. Now, is this your view of Jesus Christ? If not, you better get it. You better fasten your eyes on Him and see how wonderful He is because what they all said is a lie. He, there's no blemish in Him. You can't find any fault. There is no weakness in Jesus Christ. He's all together Lovely. You cannot say that about any other person in the history of the world. He's my beloved. Can you say this? He's my friend. We see Him in His glory and His beauty. Did you know in, in Hebrews 2.9, He says, but we see Jesus. This is what we're looking at. While the world's looking at that, we are looking at Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. For what? The suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And we see him. We see that crown. You know, what does the world do? They show that crown of thorns. He's wearing a crown of thorns. Why? Sins of the mind. Just everybody had them. Jesus bore those. But that's all the world sees. If you look close enough on the cross, you're going to see this wonderful crown of glory that He wears. And He wore that day. Why? As He took on sin and death for every man. We see Him as a glorious Savior. We see Him as an exalted Lord. We see Him as our whole reason to live. There is no other reason to live than Jesus Christ. He is all I need. He is all I want. I want no other. So then there's that song called What is it? The, the terrible, the beautiful, terrible cross. It's both. It's both. He's all powerful. He's almighty. He's all your thoughts and desire if you would understand that the crucified one is the holy one. And he's the judge of all the earth. If you just say, I can't live without him. You know, read through Song of Solomon. She's chasing after him. She'd have some failures on her end. He never failed one time. But read it. She's chasing, looking, searching for him. What? The one whom my soul loveth. 
I want no other. There is none other on this earth that I desire beside Him. I think it's in Psalm 73. His salvation, think about this one, reached even to me. That, that arm right there, it got even you. Amazing. It saved even little old me. And I'm his, and his arm was very strong. And we're out of time. But think about this. The world's very blind. Very blind. How do you see him? How do you see him today? He's our wonderful Savior, amen. He's such a wonderful Savior. Let's bow our heads.